Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen's Foundation and receives support from the California Cattle Council. We've created this podcast for those wanting to connect with the people and practices of far-flung ranches and dairies in California through hearing stories from and learning more about the families in cattle country. This episode addresses the almost unprecedented precipitation in California and its effect on a northern California rancher. These effects are in no way localized, with extensive flooding, road closures, power outages, mudslides, and property damage, including loss of lives, extending the length of the state. The cause has been a barrage of atmospheric rivers battering the state. I think we're on our seventh one, maybe eighth. Such systems, dubbed Pineapple Express, have historically been the cause of catastrophic flooding on the West Coast. In the case of this year, the flooding has been the result of record amounts of rainfall, with San Francisco receiving almost 14 inches between Christmas and January 10th. Here in Sacramento, we're just under 10 inches in the same time period. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration defines atmospheric rivers as relatively long, narrow regions in the atmosphere, like rivers in the sky, that transport most of the water vapor outside of the tropics. These columns of vapor move with the weather, carrying an amount of water vapor roughly equivalent to the average flow of a water at the mouth of the Mississippi River. When the atmospheric river makes landfall, they often release this water vapor in the form of rain or snow. A strong atmospheric river transports the amount of water vapor roughly equivalent to 7.5 to 15 times the average flow of water at the mouth of the Mississippi River. Here in Northern California, we're looking at five more days of precipitation until forecasted sunshine. Here are a few of today's headlines from a news aggregator. From CNN, California cleans up one storm as it prepares for another. From KCRA, which is the Sacramento NBC affiliate, Northern California storm updates, more power outages at 50 mile hour winds hit Sacramento area. From MSN, extremely dangerous, storm dumping more rain and snow on California. From CNN, Monterey Peninsula could become an island as epic flooding engulfs California cities and more rain is on its way. Washington Post, live California storm updates, flood leads to evacuations in Santa Cruz. And from Huffington Post, Californians urge to stay vigilant amid yet more storm warnings. I visited Justin Oldfield at his property on the morning of January 13th. And with this episode being published on January 16th, if you're listening to it on the day it's published, then the situation is still, well, you know, fluid. We'd be hearing that many area ranchers were experiencing a multitude of issues in regard to the recent weather. We thought that we'd reach out to someone local and attempt to get a feel for the magnitude of these effects. We didn't have to go far. Justin's ranch is 20 minutes south of Sacramento and less than two miles off of Highway 99. In the city of Sacramento, where I reside... We've had power outages, you know, down trees, closed roads, and so on. But it's a surprise to see what happens just outside of the city, just a few miles from the highway. When doing this podcast, I'm tasked with recording audio, photography, and videography. At times, I'm able to have access to a vehicle with my equipment and being able to grab whatever I need when I need it. At other times, like on this trip, I have to work with whatever I can carry. Give the severity of the flooding, our only way into the ranch was on the tractor. It's a big tractor. It's a Case International 7120 row crop tractor for you tractor people. Despite its size, it seats one person, so I pin myself in the back corner of the cockpit. With limited accommodations, I opted to bring my DSLR, two lenses, a GoPro for video, and my iPhone for the audio recording, which explains why some of this audio isn't ideal. We'll start with the audio in the tractor and follow with an interview in the cabin Justin's truck. I'm Ryan Donahue, and this is Stories from California Cattle Country. Farther east from here, parts of it are wild and scenic. It's the last 
Sundance River in California, major river in California. And so we essentially get Easter famine. The river will actually dry up in the summertime. And as we get like closer to the delta, the real impacts that we see are really not the rain that we get here, it's the rain we get in the windows. So like on uh, New Year's Eve, when we had that big storm where there was substantial flooding, we only got, I think, three to four inches here. They got close to 12 east of here. Is there like a delay? Well, yeah, so so everything's fine, and it's like a flash flood, and all of a sudden you get all this water running down the river. There's another uh, creek called Deer Creek that's in this tributary here. Yeah. And those essentially just flood, and I mean, it can happen in a matter of hours. It's crazy, because we're like a, two miles off the 99 right now, right? So yeah, so 99 is actually closed. Oh, uh, is it? Yeah, well, it's not now, but uh, on New Year's Eve night, uh, people were driving across there in the middle of the night, and uh, the water actually breached uh, the highway, and so everybody flooded out there. There were semis, probably 40 cars that were underwater, so they shut the highway down. Over the course of that like three-day period following that event, uh, they found three people dead. On a normal year, when we get a lot of rain, this is kind of what you're going to see when the water's going to come up. Uh, on New Year's Eve night, uh, both these feedlots were completely underwater. We had cows standing in uh, steers in here. We had steers in here that the only ground that they had left was about a three by four. Uh, actually right cement. You couldn't see those feed bunks. You couldn't see any of this. These paddocks down here, the horses within this, this was in with like a 45 minute period. The horses went from completely dry looking like this to standing belly deep in water. And so we were out here at like 10.30 at night trying to move through the water and in a boat. Well, I was walking through with the uh, waiters. No, I wasn't wearing waiters. <laughs> so, needless to say, it was a shit show. It was cold, too. So, this is a huge corridor for wildlife, too. I had a game camera up here. And, uh,. So my name is uh, Justin Oldfield. We are just south of Elk Grove, literally on the border between Sacramento County and the city of Elk Grove. Our, uh, our ranch uh, here is, is named Daling Ranch. We have several different operations here, uh, including a cattle business, run commercial cows as well as feed some cattle. We uh, farm along uh, the Consumnes River, or the Consumnes River, uh, which is uh, the last uh, undammed major river in California. How do, you, how do you describe the landscape or the geography or topography of this, this area? Yeah, so the city sort of ends here for a reason, and that's because the land gradually uh, goes down towards the river bottom. And so uh, this, all this ag land south of Grant Line Road here in Elk Grove, you know, is considered floodplain. Um, you know, flooding is... is something that we expect um, but it's typically you know light flooding 
it's more of a drainage area. Uh, typically, you know, we don't see the type of destructive flooding um, that we saw this year. Can you just, I mean, briefly summarize like what the last 10 days to two weeks have been like? It's like you woke up and then this happened and this happened. and Yeah, I mean, we were we were obviously pretty dry. Everybody was uh, was wanting rain. And then, um, you know, we knew we were going to be getting some pretty, pretty hectic storms around uh, New Year's Eve. Um, you know, it was raining pretty hard here on New Year's Eve day. And, uh, you know, we, we finished working and I think... Um, my wife and I took our kids out and we went up to Roseville and tooled around up there for a little while and had dinner and um, I mean it was raining pretty hard but really not a lot you know we could do animals were fed and you know it's kind of kind of done for the day and by the time we got home uh, we went from uh, having uh, some rain uh, previously some hard rain to having um, significant damaging flooding the river actually um, broke several places we had levee breaks east of us. We had levee breaks west of us. We had a small washout ourselves along some private levees we have on the river. Um, I think overall, I've heard uh, there were about 10 breaches or breaks uh, on the levee that occurred uh, from that event. And, you know, here it was raining pretty hard. Uh, certainly, you know, getting two to four inches in a 24-hour period is, is a lot of rain for where we're at. But re what really hit us uh, was there was significant rainfall farther east up into the foothills uh, and all that water uh, started to, to, to drain into the consumnus and the deer creeks you know the ground was dry but only can can saturate you know when it's saturated it can only take up so much and so all that runoff came down the river and we went from having really no water in our production areas to having animals standing up to their bellies within 30 minutes river breaching, uh, grapes completely underwater, equipment completely underwater. And, you know, at that point, we were kind of in crisis mode that night, moving animals, you know, out of uh, flooded areas, getting them to higher ground, uh, making sure that anything we could do to sort of prevent any further damage was taken care of. And then that night, you know, we had massive winds came through. We actually had a pretty tall tree fall on our main house, broke the truss. Uh, so we woke up to that on Sunday morning, New Year's Day, which uh, coincidentally was not windy and dry and clear. And so we were able to assess the damage and it was pretty significant. We lost quite a few fences. Um, you know, the vineyards were draining, but were still significantly underwater. Uh, we had a, a bunch of driftwood, including several extremely large trees float in, sand, debris, everything possible. So nothing that we can get to right now and fix, but certainly something that is uh, going to cause us a significant amount of work this spring once things do dry up. Would you say that, is this unprecedented or is this something that you remember in the past? Um, so because we are in a flood, kind of a flood zone area um, or in the flood plain, uh, again, we're, we're, we're definitely familiar with standing water in our grape fields for a period of time in the, in the winter. But what we saw this year was, was not normal. We saw a pretty significant flood back in 1997. It impacted the whole whole region. Um, there were, were again similar levee breaks uh, on the Consumnes River, and in that case, uh, that actually flooded parts of Wilton, which is a rural residential kind of community to the east of us. But I haven't seen anything like this year. Uh, water got to the highest point it's ever been on the ranch this year. Definitely higher than it got in '97. Uh, and the damage that was done, the water's, I mean, water's an extremely destructive force, and the damage that it done not only to property, but 
to, to people too. Those flash floods came through and they flooded uh, some pretty major roadways that moved people around this area, including uh, the water actually flowed over Highway 99 on New Year's Eve. A lot of people got stuck, uh, you know, semis washed out, cars. Uh, I have a friend that's got a dairy just north of Galt, and uh, he was telling me they were out trying to move cows at 2.30 in the morning, and he could hear people. Uh, they were pretty close to Highway 99, and he could hear people screaming and yelling at each other trying to get out of their cars, and it was a mess. Ultimately, um, over the next couple of days and the rainfall that occurred, they ended up finding three people dead. I think one person got hypothermia in their car. Another person uh, they found drowned, and they found another person in a ditch. So uh, we've never seen anything like this that's caused the level of property damage, but in addition to that, the, the, the loss of life. You and Julia run a pretty diversified operation, so you have grapes and hay and uh, racing horses along with the cattle. As far as like long-term effects, are any one of these, these things going to be affected more than the other? Or are they all adversely affected heavily? So we're lucky enough right now to have kind of our cattle, uh, at least our cow herd, uh, up on winter ground and out of here. We did have um, some damage to our feedlots, which we'll have to deal with. But I would say the most significant damage that we saw was to our, our grapes, which are right along the river. We farm in the Lodi Appalachia, and so there's a huge desire to have grapes along the Consumnes River. It, it, it manages temperatures well, and it's actually really, really good for, for growing white varietals in the Lodi area. And so there are obviously risks that come along with doing that, which we saw this year. And so the, the, the damage that we're going to see to our operation is largely going to be on the vineyard side. Uh, we probably lost... We have a 40-acre field of Pinot Grigio that runs right along the river, and we probably lost a quarter of that just due to the amount of trees and brush that went through there, knocked down vines, knocked down the rows, uh, the amount of sand that got deposited in the in the road itself, you know, is going to make it very hard to farm. So I think, to be honest with you, that we're probably going to rip out that quarter section and maybe even try to build a little bit of a wall there so that any future flooding that does come, we can kind of trap some of that debris there. So we'll have to sacrifice that area of the vineyard. But um, in addition to that, we, we probably had some pretty significant damage to our irrigation system down there, which is gonna cause some financial capital we're gonna to have to spend this spring, which we were not looking to do in the course of maybe twenty to $30,000. Every ranch interview I've ever done um, and the last one I did probably was like, you know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. When asked about concerns, uh, one of the principal concerns is drought. And we've been in a, a massive drought for a long, you know, eight or nine years, I think. Some people, they hear drought and then they see this kind of precipitation and say, oh, drought over. I mean, what would you say to that kind of uh, statement? Yeah, I mean, people have um, pretty short memories when it comes to this stuff, especially when you see the type of winter that we're having so far. Um, without a doubt, the majority of people that live in California are going to, drought's going to be the furthest thing from their mind, even when it gets, you know, back up into the triple digits in July. But it still is a real issue, and, and we're not just talking about the level of precipitation. What really is critical for agriculture, as well as, you know, the urban population, is groundwater supply. And so... We need more years like this, maybe not so destructive, but certainly in terms of the amount of rainfall that we're getting in order to replenish those groundwater aquifers, and that's extremely important. Without a doubt, we're gonna see some of that replenishing to happen this year, but in terms of being out of the woods, we're definitely not there. You know, There needs to be some substantial recharge that happens. And so, again, you know, certainly don't wanna see the level of destruction that we've seen 
this year, however, we, we're going to need years of average to above average rainfall to, to help us really see some, some true progress in, in restoring groundwater supplies. And in addition to that, having that snowpack, which is really critical too, is going to help us make sure that, you know, we're not just relying on groundwater here in California for urban or agricultural uses, but, you know, we have the ability to then access surface water. Historically, we've always had that. And so when there's been challenges to be able to irrigate with surface water, uh, which largely is derived from that snowpack as it melts in the spring and the summer, it's it's made people go to groundwater and just has put a more a larger burden on that resource. So, you know, we, we definitely need to get back into some regular cycles. You know, one year, one wet year is not going to change the course. It might put a Band-Aid on it, but it's certainly not going to stop the bleeding. Uh, we, we discussed this a little bit when we were uh, out on the drive, like looking at, at the damage that was going on. And I think that people have a weird relationship with water and they're often surprised about how much power water can have. And this is almost like a public service an- announcement. We looked at a lot of things today, a lot of things that really stood out and, you know, massive things moved. But what's the most impressive kind of thing you've seen water do out here on this property? I would say the amount of trees and we're not talking you know small trees we're talking trees that are 50 60 feet in length and the ability to move that that tree knock it down separate it from its root structure and then move that potentially miles down a riverbed and deposit somewhere else to me that's that's huge and we're not talking driftwood that's been sitting in the river that's soaked in water you know we're talking about relatively fresh trees that were standing upright were hit by a flood and then deposited again maybe miles down the down the river i would also say too people tend to think that they're safe in uh, in their vehicle if they're driving through water uh, maybe on a smaller tractor i've had that experience before too thinking that you know i had a medium-sized utility tractor and i could you know maybe drive through water that was you know 36 inches deep but just the massive depending on how heavy the current is you can wash a car out, you can wash a heavy tractor out uh, pretty quickly. And so there were significant incidences that we saw where people were actually trying to drive through standing water here in this area down here after the, the New Year's Eve event. And again, not only did people get get stuck and stranded, but you know they had the National Guard out here rescuing people with helicopters, certainly nowhere near the events that occurred in New Orleans uh, during Hurricane Katrina. but to see, you know, helicopters flying, you know, at a uh, hundred feet consistently over, uh, over our area is something I've never seen before. That alone was, was pretty incredible. So I just, I want to thank you for allowing me to come out and ride along with you. I know you're obviously very, very busy and have a lot of work to do. So good luck and like try to stay dry. Yeah, no, thank you, Ryan. We appreciate that. And certainly, uh, you know, we got to be positive, uh, in this situation. I mean, there's always a lot of things to be uh, to be anxious about. Ultimately, spring will come, and you know we'll we'll work through this, and uh, we'll be back on uh, hopefully back on track. All right, thank you, Justin. Thank you. If you'd like to see visuals from our visit, including photos of deer swimming on the game camera, visit www.calcattlecouncil.org. If you're interested in visuals from our travels, you can also follow us on Instagram at Cal Cattle Country. We love feedback. If there's something you'd like to hear from stories from California Cattle Country, you can contact me at ryan at calcattle.org or leave comments on our various social media posts. We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening. 
keep your socks dry.